Well, good morning, Destiny Missions Conference. Hey, I'm just so grateful, honestly. Um, I'm grateful for this, for this conference. It's had a deep impact on my life. It's had a deep impact on many people's lives. And um, I'm just honored to be able to have this opportunity. So thank you, Pastor Matt. And uh, hey, can we just thank the Destiny team that's done such a great job in serving us? Really, we love you. We're very honored. Um, I've been uh, given the topic of uh, the, the culture of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, we, we've heard a lot already about some of the actions and the power and the manifestation of, but everything that we do manifests actually comes from a culture. So if you think about families this way, every family has a culture. Think about how things work and how things function within the home. Every family has a culture. Every church, a local church, has a, has a culture. There's an atmosphere that is generated from who they are and some of their, their ideas. And a lot of times culture is spoken or unspoken. So there's principles that give the substance and values of a family. And those principles manifest a culture. So a family culture, if you think about your family culture, it helps guide behavior, it helps, um, it helps set expectations of consequences, of attitudes. Uh, we, we have a family culture. The kings have a family culture we've developed over the years, and we, we have these little sayings that, hey, listen, we, in the king house, what we do is respectful and honoring. So it's very easy to say, hey, son, was that respectful and honoring to your sister? And he knows, no, if the answer is no, then you shouldn't have done it. Done, right? So you align yourself to the, to the culture. It can be the same way with my wife and I. When she treats me mean, because I never treat her mean, I say, hey, is this our culture? She goes, no. So anyway, she's very teachable. I thank God for her. So there's this. So what, 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 we, what we know is in our home that there are things that are allowed and things that are not allowed. Um, our Another thing we have in our, in our home, in our culture of our home, is our bad behavior can, is, is never to be blamed on someone else's bad behavior, right? So it's a culture. So, but I'm acting this way because, of, what, not, wait, because why? No, we, that's, they're responsible, you're responsible. Deal with it. So it sets the atmosphere of the home. So in, in, a, in a family, if there's is someone violating it, you don't, the, the behavior of an individual doesn't say, yes, but we better change the, the culture or our value system so that it fits my behavior. That's not how things work in a culture. How, in a culture that is led by a leader, what happens is your behavior shifts and change and submits to the articulated culture of the one leading it, right? So this is the kingdom culture that, that we're talking about. It, even thinking about different nations before we get into the text here. Different nations have cultures, and part of those, part of those cultures are, are ideas and understandings and even values about certain things that have, that have driven the culture to become who they are. So a lot of Asian cultures, that you, you go there and you're like, wow, they're, they're so polite. And then you go to like some of the Middle Eastern cultures, you're like, I think they don't like me, but they're very hospitable. And you're like, how does this work? You come to America, you're like, everyone's really arrogant. And what is it? It's there's something driving our culture. So some cultures have a, a, a greater uh, value for relationships than other cultures. 
It's like they, they can pop over each other's homes. They don't care. Some are more family-centric where they, the families live with other families as they get older. Some are more hospitable. Some value freedom more. Some cultures actually value freedom more than others, or they value heritage more, or they value honor more, or they value elderly people more, or children more. So what I'm saying is, there, there, again, particular cultures have established mindsets, behaviors that produce an atmosphere and a feeling that you can feel when you're in another country. And all of us know that. You've been in other countries, you're like, huh, this is different. Even areas of the nation, when you go to them, our, our nation, it feels different. It's like, yeah, I come to Texas and people smile and say please and thank you. In Colorado, they, they grunt and, and wave a rainbow flag in your face. It's just, it's strange. But it's different. So, getting to the culture of the kingdom that was established by Jesus, Jesus came to this earth to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy them. That was his mission, to destroy the works of the, of the devil in order to deliver humanity from the grip of Satan, which we were all enslaved by sin, and provide a way for humanity to walk in their original intent that was designed in the garden for humanity to be with God, to walk with him, to fellowship with him, to be close with him. Also, though, humanity's intent in God's kingdom is to rule and reign from their position in God's, in God's kingdom. So they had an authority, they had a purpose, is to rule and reign, to be in fellowship with God, to carry out the will and purpose of God on the earth. So before Jesus finished his work on the cross, before he came and suffered and died and resurrected, he actually laid the groundwork of the culture of his kingdom. So he had, he had come to remove humanity from the kingdom of darkness and bring humanity into the kingdom of his light. And so He's, he comes and he's teaching, and what he's teaching is different. It's an upside-down world than what the kingdom of darkness actually is. He begins teaching things that are different. He teaches and he establishes the culture of his family. Now, Jesus just didn't come to create a kingdom. He created to create a family. It's what he wanted from the beginning, that we become a part of the family business of what? Cultivating the culture of the king. That's, that's our family business. Our family business is, wh wh what do you do? Well, my job is to cultivate the culture of the king. Where at? On the earth and wherever I walk or speak or stand or breathe, my job is to recognize I'm here to bring forth the kingdom of God because I'm a part of God's family. So it's a family business. And so that's what God was intended from the beginning. So Jesus is teaching he lays this foundation of his culture and how his kingdom that we're, we are a part of through our faith in Christ, how his kingdom is going to manifest not only in our lives, but how we are to, are to be or see the rest of the world, how we are to interact with those around us. So Jesus is, as he's establishing the kingdom, he says, so if you're going to be in my kingdom and represent me as your king and represent the culture of my house, my family, my kingdom, you, you are to do it as I do it. You are to do it as I would do it. And so this is the culture of my family. So Jesus, before we get to this passage, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus has already demonstrated the power of the kingdom, the place of the kingdom, the law of the kingdom. 
And so all of these things are, are um, a consequence, though, of what I'm going to talk about today. The consequence of the culture of the kingdom. So in Matthew 5, he begins establishing the culture of his kingdom. And so let's read today, Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, so they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you revile, when others revile you and persecute you and all other kinds of evil against, against you falsely on my account. So I'm proposing today that this is the culture, the foundation of the kingdom family. So this is how, who we are, and also this is, this is what we are becoming, and this is what we also are. This is, it's, we are being conformed to the image of Christ. We are still being shaped by him. We are still submitting ourselves. We're still crucifying ourselves daily to follow him. But this is also who God sees we are, but it's also who we are becoming. So this is to be the outflow of our ministry, the outflow of our relationships, the outflow of our words, the outflow of our life should stem from this reality of which Jesus has, has, has spoken here. It's not to flow, and I want to challenge something, who we are, first and foremost, the culture of who we are and what we say and what we, how we do and how we proclamate and cultivate the kingdom of God is not to first be filtered through our nationality, filtered through our, our race, filtered through our, our leanings to one side or the other, filtered through our personality. It's to be filtered through the culture of the king of the kingdom that we are in. That's, that's what it's to be. It's not to be filtered through our political leaning. Or, listen, not, all of that is irrelevant in comparison to the culture of the king of the universe. It's irrelevant. It's fun. It's nice. Yes, we live in this world, but we must keep superior above all things the culture of our king. Why? Because he's king. Why do we obey him? Because he's king. Why? Because we're in his family, and we're, he is king, and we are citizens of his kingdom. Amen? So what Jesus is beginning to teach is the reverse of what they have learned in their culture and what we've learned in our culture. It's, it's total reverse. He's unwinding, which is one of the jobs of preachers and communicators of the Word of God, to unwind through, with the Word of God what culture and, and what culture has, what ideas cultures has placed in our minds on how we live our lives. So the temptation is to move to the acts of the kingdom. We love the acts of the kingdom. Nothing wrong with them. They're awesome, but they're an outflow of something. If we represent the kingdom... And we pursue the power of the kingdom, but not the heart and nature of the person of the kingdom. We are doing something that's based on what we want versus who he is. If I could say that again, I would, but I, I don't think I can articulate that again. 
But what I'm saying is who we are and what we do needs to flow from who he is, who he is. So we don't want to fall into that temptation. So in order to flow and walk in these things we've been talking about, I believe we must function and flow from the culture, the attitude, the heart posture, which Christ established. And we cannot separate the kingdom culture, the kingdom culture way of life with the kingdom authority and power impact. You cannot separate them. We want to because we like to be in the flesh, but we are not to. So this is Jesus teaching fundamental principles. So the culture of those in the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches, number one, when you see that you are spiritually bankrupt without God's grace, then you are truly blessed. This, this is a fundamental reality of God's kingdom. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So these kingdom principles Jesus is teaching, again, they're contrary to the world's culture. So in order to, for us to come into the kingdom of God, we must first have become poor in spirit, but yet, but yet we are continued to live our lives in a world that isn't ours, but we are to, as we come into the kingdom, we are to become poor in spirit, and we're to understand that it is the spirit of God is, is what brought us into the kingdom, nothing else. Not by our works, not by our goodness, not by um, how how wonderful we are, not by how hard of a worker I am. This is all about the grace and the mercy of God that brought us into the kingdom of God. So this reality that you will, once you realize, listen, I've got nothing within me. I, I can't even recognize I'm a sinner without the work of the Holy Spirit. Like how are you going to repent of a sin that you don't even know is a sin? Only the work of the Spirit can do that in you. So once you realize I am in God's kingdom, not of my own accord at all. This is important that we understand this value if we're going to establish the kingdom on the earth because, because if this isn't in the front of our minds, we're going to respond differently. If we keep it in the front of our minds, it also is the same manner in which we see those around us. It's how we see culture. When, we, when God looked at us, why did Jesus died and rose again? Because he had compassion and mercy on you. And on me, because he didn't see you as his enemy, though we were enemies with him, he didn't see us as his enemy. He saw us as something that's worthy to be reached, worthy to be loved, worthy to be sought after. And if we don't understand that about us, how we see the rest of the world is going to be different than how Jesus sees the rest of the world. So we, we are not God's gift to his kingdom. Okay? We are not God's gift to to. Wow, isn't, isn't this church great to have me or great to have you? No. We all come into the kingdom of God only by an act of his mercy, only by an act of his grace. So the lost world that is depraved, what we're gonna, how we're going to see them is not they're the enemy, which a lot of churches or a lot of people, if we're not careful, we fall into the human temptation. Oh, they're the enemy. No, 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 they aren't. They're victims of the enemy. Just like Jesus didn't see us the enemy, he saw us as a victim, and he came and rescued us so that we could be saved. It's by his grace. This will transform how we interact with the rest of the world. So the blessing of heavens, heaven that Jesus speaks about 
is when you embrace the reality that you are spiritually bankrupt through Christ. It is the fundamental reality of the kingdom. And I, I'm going to try to move fast. Yeah, I got to move fast. Okay, this, I, just a reminder. So there's a, I was in England. I just want to share with you this, this hymn. I was in England and there's a, I was with uh, Kelton Black actually. We were driving up uh, this gorge and there's a, a place there where this, this hymn was written. And so it's a, it's a plaque that's on the side of this gorge and we stopped and, uh, and this, is the, this is the hymn. The hymn begins, I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, Burrington Combe was riding his carriage up this gorge. He stops, big storm comes. He slides in this, in this rock to get away from it. But this is what he writes in this hymn, The Rock of Ages. So it says, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Now, li listen to this third verse, which connects to this point. I, I want you to hear this. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul eye to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. That's how we are to understand our place in the kingdom. Desperate. Second kingdom culture. When you repent for your sin, you will always experience the comfort and forgiveness from God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Galatians 5 reminds us that we are in a wrestling match between our, our, the shadows of our sinful nature in our flesh and our redeemed spirit. And there are moments that we're going to stumble in the kingdom. There are moments that, that we're, going to, we're going to fail. And and the reality is, is, is this. When we are in the kingdom of God, we must remember that repentance is to be a part of our daily life. It's to be a part of our relationship with God. It's to be a part of who we are and how we, how we interact with one another and how we interact with God. It is we walk in the spirit of repentance. Lord, I, I, Lord, I need you. Lord, just, just forgive me for, for whatever's going on in my heart and my attitude and my spirit. And You know, there are some people who say, well, you don't need to repent once you're saved. Why repent? Does it matter? Okay, that's fine. But if you're married, you know it matters, don't you? I'm still married, by golly. I'm still married. I don't need to repent. Uh, yeah, you do. You should. Be, why? Because God is not a, he's not a, a formula. He's, not a, he's a relationship. And if you want to grow in the kingdom, you view him as a relationship. And you acknowledge and he shapes you and he, and he ministers to you. So we repent. And when we understand the, the purpose of his kingdom or the culture of his kingdom is repentance means then we are comforted by our Savior that removes all guilt and all shame and comforts us and says, I've got you. Don't be derailed by your mistakes. Come on, son. Let's keep going. Uh, let's, let's keep moving. We become, we become more like Christ, conformed into the image. And so we will spend the rest of our lives on this, on this earth being conformed into the image of Jesus. It's the journey. It's the process. But that conformity into the image of Jesus is not about our actions. It's about us realizing God wants to conform us from the inside out. And it starts with a repentant heart before him. So this is not about our performances. This is about our understanding of the culture of the kingdom. Next kingdom culture is when your heart's desire towards God is not, is not my will, but your will be done. God will prosper you. So blessed are the meek. 
for they shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37 says, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Peace and prosperity. There's a major misunderstanding with this idea of humility and meekness. A Christian, a Christ-like meek person, is not a weak person. They are not a weak person. They're not a, 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 an insignificant person. They're actually a very strong person. Meekness is a sign of great strength. Again, this is Jesus reversing the world's value system of the culture of this world. In the world's culture, it's not the meek who inherit the earth. It's the ambitious. It's the go-getters. It's a get out of my way because I'm coming through kind of people. It's the driven. It's the proud. Those are the ones who inherit the earth. Jesus is saying, but if you're in my kingdom, but if you're in my family, you're going to be transformed away from building your own kingdom. And you're going to start, now you're going to be concerned about building my kingdom. There's the difference. And so people who are meek, they move from chasing peace and prosperity in the world's way. Leaders of churches who are meek, leaders of ministry who are meek, aren't, aren't obsessed with their legacy, their name, and their ministry. They're obsessed with his ministry, his name, and his legacy. So God in his kingdom is, is shaping us and keeping us with him the center of our lives. And so we reject the world's definition of, of success and we embrace Jesus' definition. And that is that we are to be meek. And Jesus is saying those in my kingdom are to be different than those who are not. So the meek woman or the meek man who trusts God in difficult circumstances when dealing with difficult people doesn't see him or herself as one who is better than others. But is gentle and is loving for those who don't know Jesus. This is a meekness because they've learned deep gratitude for God's grace and therefore they want God's will done for others more than God's will even done for themselves. It is, it is this idea of I'm here to serve like Christ. The meek are easy to be around. They are not pithy. That's pithy, P-I-T-H-Y, just in case you were wondering. They're not sharp. They're not complaining. They're not accusationary. They, they don't accuse you of things. They don't, they don't rake you up one side and down the other just to be right. They desire to be like the servant that saved their butts from hell. And they desire to be like Jesus. That's what meekness is. Kingdom culture number four. When your appetite is greater for God than anything else, you will experience total Satisfaction. We could use a good dose of this in ministry today. That our appetites would be about hungering and thirsting for Jesus, not for anything else. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is, remember, this is Jesus expressing the kingdom culture, what we're part of. And really, this is also Jesus letting us know how we are to be different than those around us. We are to be different. So there's something so important we, we all need to understand about what Jesus is saying. That it's not only God's grace that can give us a new appetite for more of him. It's also when he gives us the appetite, 
We, when we embrace it, when we say, God, I really only want you. Listen, if, the question is this. How then, if I don't have that appetite for righteousness, how do I, how do I get it? Well, it's not on your own effort. It's through repentance. It's through coming to Jesus. It's through, it's through saying, God, I, I want, can you enlarge my heart to have a greater appetite for you? And we recognize, God, there's things in my life, man. Why do I, why do I lean towards this? And why do I desire this? And why am I so obsessed with, with my success or, or whatever this may be, my influence? Why am I obsessed with my leadership? Why am I obsessed with my impact? God, God, please. Let my appetite be for you that I wake in the morning and I'm not driven by what can I accomplish. I'm driven by, oh, God, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to to fellowship with you today as we walk through our day. That there is this understanding that my life in the kingdom is not about my life. It's about him. So our greatest need can only be met by God through his son Jesus. And those in his kingdom manifest this culture. Number five, kingdom culture. When you extend mercy, you can trust that God will graciously help you. Blessed are the merciful, for they, for they will be shown mercy. Showing mercy is a responsibility for those who are in the kingdom. It's a responsibility. Mercy is about restoring someone's dignity. Mercy is offering hope and kindness to someone's life that's been broken in sin. The truth is when you are poor in spirit, when you mourn your own shortcomings and are confronted by the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus, what naturally flows from you is mercy to others. Mercy is the kingdom culture. A lot of Christians believe judgment is the kingdom culture. But judgment is reserved for Christ alone. Yes, we can judge sin through the word of God. We can judge right. Yes, we, I'm not saying we can't judge. What I'm saying is this idea that many of us elevate judgment over mercy and we walk in this reality because we don't get the first three cultures of the kingdom we walk in this reality of my job is to judge and we use words like I'm prophetic but really you're pathetic because you are not demonstrating the nature of the one who saved you you're not operating in mercy you're not operating in the fruit of the spirit you're operating in another spirit And so our job as believers is to have this understanding that mercy is my responsibility. James 2.13, mercy triumphs over what? Judgment. When we demonstrate the kingdom culture, mercy, mercy in our families, in our community, in our church, God rewards us from his life as the king and God's kingdom is, it, it, it is established. And when the people of his kingdom, now hear me today, when the people of God's kingdom demonstrate the culture of the kingdom, his kingdom is among us. So, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. How does his kingdom come? His will is done. So how do you bring the kingdom to your, to your ministry? Do the will of the, of the king of the one of the, who established the culture of his kingdom. Do his will. When his will is done, his kingdom is established. Number six, when you allow God to direct your heart, he will lead you to himself. This is a culture of the kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they see God. Jesus is calling those in his kingdom to live their lives from the inside out. The actions and attitudes of our lives are a direct reflection of our hearts. 
direct reflection of our hearts. You cannot change your behavior until you allow God to transform your heart. We all know this. It just won't work. God doesn't ask you to do anything. He doesn't give you the strength to do. And you receive his strength by asking him to direct your heart. Lord, direct my heart. God, transform my heart. Lord, examine my heart, my mind, my intentions, my motivations. This is a daily desire to be anchored in the culture of the kingdom of God. That's why, that's why the king gave us his word. So we can transform our minds. We can transform our hearts. We can cleanse our hearts. We can begin to see our actions and our attitudes and repent as the word separates soul and spirit, our fleshly actions and what God has for us. So the Lord wants us to see more and more of him, of his truth, regardless of what's going on. And so this idea for us, friends, is Lord, direct my heart. Number seven, when you pursue peace with others, you're declaring which kingdom you belong to. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, friends, there's a difference between peacekeepers and peacemakers. There's a difference. Peacemakers pursue peace. They don't entertain gossip. They don't entertain uh, dissension. They don't run, run over in their minds what they don't like about someone or something. They don't look for an opportunity to tell someone off. Peacemakers look for as many moments as they can to lift others up. That's what peacemakers do. Peacemake, peacekeepers receive peace from the peacemaker, but don't contribute to the peace process. Okay? So there are a lot of people, I'm a, peace, I'm a peacekeeper, all right? What are you bringing to the table of, 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 of making peace? Nothing. You go. And then what you bring, okay, I'll keep. So peacekeepers receive peace from peacemakers, but don't contribute to the peace process. Kingdom culture is you contribute to the peace process. Peacekeepers don't bring understanding or humility to the table of reconciliation. They just wait for someone else to make peace and bring something to the table, and they keep it. But Jesus said when you pursue peace, when you humble yourself, when you don't fight for your own way, when you reject bad attitudes and realize I pursue peace, not because of who you are. When we realize I don't, I don't do any of this, not because of who I am. I do it because who my king is. He's the king of the kingdom that I'm a part. Last one, and I'll close with this. When you are persecuted for righteousness, consider yourself in good company. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all things evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, they will persecute me. When you live a life that reflects what Jesus is teaching and the righteousness of God, you are giving the world an invitation to persecute you. That's just a reality. Our brother spoke about that. When you read the life of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the tenderness of Jesus, his compassion, the last thing you would think that would happen to him is that he would be persecuted. That's the last thing. But the reality is when we live from the culture of the kingdom, we begin to experience the pushback from the other culture. And so it isn't to change us. It actually should cause us to run back. And Lord, help me see them the way that you see them. 
God, help me repent of my own attitude because when they did that, man, it makes me angry. God, forgive me and cleanse me. Lord, I, I want to be your, I want to be a representative of your kingdom to the world, to the world of darkness. God, I want to establish your kingdom when I walk in boldness and courage. And Lord, I don't have to throw a big fit, but I do. I do have to stand for righteousness. I do have to speak up for truth. And we do it all within the nature of the king of our kingdom. Let me pray. Father, thank you today for your word. God, I ask you that you would minister to us. Thank you, God, for your truth. Lord, as we hear this and respond to this right now, God, may you transform our hearts to be people who cultivate your kingdom through the spirit and culture of you, our king. In Jesus' name, amen.